This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going well, Andrew. We got sunshine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, the sunshine doesn't phase me anymore because I know it's just going to happen for a couple of days, and then we're going to get another winter storm warning, and a blizzard's <laughs> going to come through, and we're stuck in Groundhog's Day, and I'm, I've just given up all hope. It's like I said back in early January when we weren't getting any snow. I'm like, we're getting spanked later. Yeah. And... We have, which I don't, I know you, you're not big on the uh, snow at any, <laughs> any price kind of thing, but I don't mind it as much because again, driving around right now when it's sunny, actually it's really beautiful out there. Yeah, it is. Especially like when the snow hits the light just right and you get all the glitter yeah. that goes through it. It's always pretty. And I, I like snow in like wintertime, but I think like it shouldn't snow after January. I, I don't want it <laughs> January to January is still winter. Yes. <laughs> so it's I, February. <laughs> I don't want... I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want all the snow to go away in January. I would, ju- I just don't want it to snow again. You want it to taper. Yes. Okay. Like February can slowly go down. And then mid-March is when I want it to be like, all right, early spring is coming. Not. Yeah, not I, I would say that too. Like I'm, I'm ready. Like this is the time when I was a kid that I'd be like, all right, I want the basketball courts clear. I want to shoot buckets. Yeah. Are we out of the Are we out of the woods with this? Do we have another big winter storm coming? I was coming? checking today. I saw that we have some flurries maybe a few days from now where it just like gets a little bit low enough, but we might be looking at rain season soon. That that would be better than than this. <laughs> I'm I'm officially done with it. So a couple things uh, that I want to talk about today. We have an update on the Sister Bay Village Hall, and we'll get into that after our break. But uh, we, we had talked a couple of weeks ago about the village considering potentially tearing it down and rebuilding or looking at some other things. They went out to public comment, and, and we'll talk about where things stand with that after the break. But before we get into the break, just a couple of like little fun updates. Uh, number one, if you listen to me and Mike Orlock talk about the Oscars, Last week, we were both really excited for everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, that's the one that won Best Picture. So it's <laughs> won the, everything. Yeah, it's the one movie that I watched. <laughs> and I guess I, I aimed my shot and nailed it. So <laughs> didn't have to waste my time with any of the yeah, others. Just don't watch any other movies all year. Yeah. No, it was it was very good. Um, I highly recommend people checking it out. I, I think that the Oscar list was really loaded with a lot of really cool films. So there's plenty to see. Don't necessarily give up on all the other ones just because they didn't win because I'm sure that there's some really great ones there. But if you're only going to watch one, watch everything everywhere all at once because it was really cool. want to pick your brain on one other thing with the Oscars, the In Memoriam segment. I don't get, given that they know that so many people look forward to that segment and they rattle through it so fast. Like there's so many big stars that I'm always like, why don't they play like a five second clip of that one? And cut out some of the pretty lame little comedy things that they or do it throughout the show and use that as your filler when the stage is changing over instead of like the pretty lame stuff when the the host, in this case, Jimmy Kimmel, is out in the the aisles and stuff. I'm like, well, you could have done like a cool one minute thing on Olivia Newton-John right here. Yeah. Or at the very least, 
even if it is short, this should be the one part of the Oscars where there isn't that like oversight because when you miss somebody, that's always the negative backlash. Right. Like if if anybody has anything bad to say about the Oscars the next day, it's usually how did they miss this person? Especially when you have somebody who passed away who was in a film that was nominated for an award. That's yeah. a pretty big oversight. Cheryl B. Dean who yeah. died of, of sepsis. She was really young. And then I'm pretty sure that Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, who uh, just passed away earlier this year, was not in there as How well. How do you leave that out? Like, I get it. I miss stuff in our little annual Peninsula Pulse version of this when we try to recognize people that died in the past year who we wrote about. And like last year, I forgot Randy Halstead, who was the longtime chair of Town of Jacksport. I felt terrible about it in the year-end review. And there's probably a couple others that I forgot but we're like scrambling. We have a small staff without the like huge budget of the Oscars. And you're like, hey, you know, everyone's keyed in on this. It's almost like they have to be doing it on purpose Yeah, to drive conversation. So we're going to leave out some people because this is what you do. Yeah. And we'll get the people talking about the Oscars for one more day. After. Yeah. yeah. Like we are now. Well, I, but I also just think like, leave it up there for a couple seconds. Like, get people to remember. Cause I remember, I think they used to do more of that, but now they seem to think that it's more important to have like eight seconds of watching Lenny Kravitz play piano and then cut everyone down to like half second fade ins for the actual people you're trying to honor. I don't get that when they switch to right. like the live musical performance part of it, they seem to try and like do more with that performance. Like none of us are here for that part of it. Right now you'll have to, you'll have to, key me in on this because I'm usually the person who checks out the results the next day rather than watching it all live. But I do like to watch the Tonys every year live because there's a lot of performance in that. But what I always find amusing with the Tonys is that they'll do all of their awards like live during the broadcast and then they'll cut to a commercial break and they'll come back and it's like, during the break, we gave out the award for best technical design. Yeah. Or during the break, we gave out the award for best costuming. And it's like, the technical side of theater never gets any airtime during the awards. Is it similar with, with the, the Oscars? Yeah, the Oscars has always been that way to some degree. And like when I was younger and I didn't appreciate those things, I was always, whenever they would do one of those awards, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, let's go back to like the stars who I know kind of thing. But now I actually really like that because it's an opportunity to learn a little bit about what goes into it. I always like it when they do that, when they show you a little bit of like what that particular skill is. But I get it. Like, I'd hate to be the guy who finally won his Oscar and was like an afterthought. Yeah. I think last year they did a whole different show and didn't even televise it for some of those. But the thing that I think about with like the in memoriams that I like is I remember being a kid and obviously, you know, you're seven. You don't know any of the background of anything beyond like, I don't know, when I was seven, I think Big had just come out or something, the Tom Hanks movie. So I, I knew like that movie and five others and, and a bunch of cartoons. So you just spent the whole Oscars waiting for any segment of those to come up. But when they would show those old stars or the in memoriams, it was always interesting to like listen to my parents have a reaction yeah. and go, oh, so-and-so died. Oh, that is so sad. Or, oh, I remember her from this movie. And you yep. can see, it's like a generation, a tiny little generational bridge that happens in like five seconds where you're just thinking, oh, my mom really loved that actor or, or dad really loved that actress and things like, I don't know. It's a small part of the viewing experience. Maybe I'm like a very tiny minority like that, but. No, I definitely I love had those that segments. experience too. Whenever, like my dad, basically his time frame for pop culture is just the 60s and early 70s. And so that's like, he'll just 
he'll try to relate things to things and then bring up like people's names that we have no idea who he's talking about. He's right. like, oh, you're doing it just like this person used to do it. And we're like, <laughs> who are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's the same thing. And and weirdly enough, I have kind of like a weird cultural touchstone back then too because I grew up watching Looney Tunes. And most of the jokes in Looney Tunes are pop culture references from the 60s. Hmm. So, like, I grew up watching them in the 90s and early 2000s when they aired on Cartoon Network. And my dad watched those when he was a little kid. And so, like, we have that shared experience together. And, like, I know just a bunch of weird pop culture references from a long time ago because of it. I remember learning little things like that and then being like, Dad, what does that mean? Or (laughs) getting the explanation. You know, the one thing in the memoriams that hit me this year was... Angela Lansbury, and the reason is talking about those like connecting generations and stuff. My mom used to love Murder She Wrote, which maybe that's before your time. I'm aware of it. It was a Sunday night show. It's one of those things like you watch football, and then during football you get the advertisements for 60 Minutes and Murder She Wrote, and Angela Lansbury doing this murder mystery thing every night. And I, I think I probably watched. I probably ended up because it tacked on to. Like my football watching as a kid, probably watched as much of that as any other show. And I just remember sure. like that was my mom's thing that she got on Sunday night. <laughs> right. And that is 10 minutes. So we can officially cash yeah. our check from the Academy and move <laughs> yeah. on. Um, There's the opinion of somebody who knows nothing about movies. Yeah. I, I hope you all enjoyed our Oscar segment. Um, we'll come back around next year and we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. So if you picked up the Pulse this week, uh, it would have been the one that came out last Friday, you'll notice that there's a big, beautiful chickadee on the front of it. And it's a really cool picture that was sent in by Tim Sweet. And uh, just a little bit of inside baseball for everybody listening. We we take a lot of consideration into what we put on the cover of the Pulse each week. There's a lot of discussion that happens between you, me, Deborah Fitzgerald, our editor, David Elliott, the owner. We, we try to find things that are, I mean, there's a lot of different qualifications for what we put on the cover. Uh, Rachel, our photographer, is a big part of this. Yep. And the conversation we ended up having last week was, is it appropriate to feed the chickadees at Peninsula State Park? Yes. And there was some differing opinions on this back and forth. We posted the photo on Facebook and we had people bringing this up and saying, hey, I don't think you're supposed to feed the chickadees there. You and I have like memories of it kind of being encouraged and mm-hmm. bring in your own seed or there's seed there. And all these kind of questions came up and we were like, we should probably figure out what the actual recommendation is from the park. So you made a couple of phone calls and what'd you find out? This actually came up because once we posted on Facebook, there were a couple of people that were saying, you're not supposed to feed those anymore. They don't allow that anymore. And then, so that led me down this thread of, okay, why, why would that be? Is that true? Because I went and fed them, I think last year with my kid. So I don't, I didn't remember hearing anything differently. And there were other people doing it at the nature center when I did that. So, and there were for years, there's always been events and actually things led by naturalists there to say, Hey, come feed the chickadees, experience this thing. And, and when we say this, feeding the chickadees, there's a thing you go into Peninsula State Park and you can do it elsewhere, almost anywhere, I guess. But you can bring the bird seed in there and then just hold it in your hand and the chickadees will come and feed directly out of your hand. They'll yeah. land on your shoulder, land on your head. It's a cool way to get kids to get excited about nature, wildlife, things like that. And it's a cool way to feel like a kid yourself. And they've been doing that for years, but then people said that they've stopped doing that. So I looked into it, eventually got Eric Hyde, the superintendent from Peninsula State Park on the phone. And he said, they're not telling people to stop doing it. They're not like advertising against people doing it, but they're not promoting people doing it anymore either. And 
essentially it's more of us that, hey, we don't want to make a big thing out of this and anger a lot of people by getting rid of this thing. But also we've had some issues with people feeding the chickadees and then dumping the seed on the ground there, which then attracts wild turkeys in the park. You know, think of yourself with a, a young kid there and if a wild turkey's there, that could be <laughs> that could be a bad interaction. Yeah, it changes there. the environment when you're <laughs> feeding the chickadees with your child and then yes. the, the turkeys come prowling. Yes. And then they've had mice problems at the nature center. Same thing because people dump the seed close to the nature center and then they you know, then that attracts mice and then they end up looking for a place to stay warm, which becomes a nature center. So different concerns like that. And it actually Eric Hyde was saying, and if you can put a plug in there too. Tell people not to feed birds with their bread. Like, don't feed bread to the seagulls and stuff at sure. the beach. They've had problems with that, too, because they don't digest it very well, and it's not good for them, and also creates a nuisance. So learned a few things. The studies about, like, some of the comments people said was that if you feed the birds, and then if you stop, well, now they've forgotten how to forage for their own right, food. Right, they become dependent on it. Yes, which then begs the question of, well, if wouldn't bird feeders be bad? <laughs> right. And... So I, I did some quick Googling, read a couple of studies. There's a one study from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and basically says, no, they don't forget how to forage. So there's other people who say that's the case. There's studies that say it's not. It seems kind of mixed. Eric Hyde said, yeah, I've read both too. It's not really settled. So the gist of it is they're not pushing people to go do this anymore. They're not saying a hard no, don't do it. If you must do it, they're basically saying, please don't just dump the seed on the ground clean up after yourselves, be smart about it. Yeah, basically, you know, nature, common sense with this kind of thing. Do your homework ahead of time and then be responsible. Anything yeah. that you bring into the park, take out with you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you think about it, if I'm if I'm Eric or somebody else at the park, you know, half of life seems to be like, don't pick fights you don't have to. No. <laughs> so, And if you think of the park, there's so many things that they have to fix there and so many things they have to deal with whether it be roads, parking, traffic, trail maintenance, sign maintenance, all those different things, the campgrounds, like, well, do I really want to have this battle about the chickadees? Right. Well, and it's good news for me because every year I like to go into the park with a sweater with a ton of birdseed glued to it so I can do what I call chickadee man. <laughs> so I'm glad that. Yeah, I'm good. glad that I still get good, to you can do, that. do my tradition. Uh, let's take a break, Miles, and then when we come back, I want to talk about the Sister Bay Village Hall. And then I also want to talk about uh, a shakeup in one of the businesses here in Bailey's Harbor. Heirloom is closing its doors, and uh, they will reopen as Sway. Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump into that next. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. Let's talk Bailey's Harbor first since it's, you know, where we are and yeah. <laughs> we can see Heirloom from our front door. Heirloom is is closing down and Sway, which is the, the brewery that is in the lower level of Heirloom right now, is going to move up and take over that space. 
from what I understand, it, it'll be, you know, brewery tap room, but maybe a little bit more than that too. I, I, I don't know if everything has been decided on if they're going to offer food or, or that type of thing. But what do you know about the changeover happening? Yeah. And I think residents and a, a lot of people who are familiar with the food scene up here have known for a while that Heirloom, this was going to be their last season, this previous season. And that bummed a lot of people out, myself included. Their food was great. It was mm-hmm. a great option to have in, in Bailey's Harbor for the last five years. Really cool atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You had a, a grab and go section, which was awesome. Right. It, it was really cool. And they offered a lot of menu items that are not common elsewhere. So it was, you know, one of those places, there's a lot of places that can offer the same food or the same beverage thing. And it was cool to see somebody come in and just do something that was distinctly theirs. So loved having that option here. But Sway is kind of an outgrowth of Door County Brewing Company that he was originally doing some stuff out of the the Door County Brewing Company tap from here in Bailey's Harbor. Then last summer, he moved into the basement of the Heirloom Building, which used to be the Door County Brewing Company taproom in their first incarnation. And now he moves into a bigger space. And so what he has posted so far is that he's going to be doing some, even some breakfast stuff at some point or another. It, was, it doesn't seem like he's got like definitive times and dates yet. And then um, some s- small food options of some sort or another. So there's going to be some food there. Don't know like the extent of what the menu is going to look like. But we got another tap room in Bailey's Harbor, smaller one. Yeah. Which I did see some Facebook posts, of course, complaining about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can you can go as far back as statewide and be like, oh, another brewery in Wisconsin. Or you can go as local as like, oh, can Bailey's Harbor really support two tap rooms? Yeah. Yeah. It People are always going to be goofy about that kind of thing. That was precisely what it was. It was somebody saying, look, another brewery. Everyone's getting rid of the, the old restaurants. And it's like Chad Ganako, a Sister Bay Village board member and a kind of Bailey's Harbor guy for a long time. He he kind of went off and it was pretty funny. He's just like, it's one family making a decision for their life to close their restaurant to do what's right for them. And then another business owner, a local guy who already had a brewery in that building deciding to expand a little bit. Like this is not, if you, you can pick your spot to complain, but this is the wrong yard to jump into. <laughs> right. And, and, Breweries, like breweries and tap rooms, usually have a, a secondary feature that goes along with them that either is there to begin with or kind of grows organically. Door County Brewing Company has their music venue, and then mm-hmm. they have DCBC Eats, yep. which has kind of grown up with it. Peach Barn up in Sister Bay, they're doing pizza and stuff like that coming soon, and they have more kind of a family-friendly atmosphere. So it's like, yes, it's it's another brewery tap room, but the scope of a brewery and tap room is a little bit wider than just a place to sit down and have beer. Well, and also, I mean, generally speaking, brewery tap rooms are less people, less busy, less drunk than bars and restaurants. Sure. Like as a general rule, they close earlier. They're not 2 a.m. bars for the most part. Certainly not the Door County ones, almost to a venue. Right. Um, but it's also like, okay, there's there's tons of different ways to serve beer, wine, and liquor. Brewery, bar, restaurant, I don't know, bottle shop, grocery store. Like yeah. one of those openings is tap not, room. The new uh, Peninsula Pub, the the business that's moving in there, the self serve yeah. tap room. It's gonna so, be exciting. Just like one, it's just funny how that any anybody does anything in Door County and the, and they say, oh, just what it needed, one more. It's like it's actually not. It, you know, there's 
One opens, one closes. One opens, one closes all the time. (laughs) I think that they should convert that lower level into the Bailey's Harbor Small Business Incubator because that's kind of how it's been (laughs) happening, right? Like brewing company moved out of there, then Heirloom moves in, then Sway moves into the bottom, and now that's moving out. Something else is going to move into the basement and then take over in five, ten years, and it's just going to be this this incubator that's going to keep spitting out new businesses. It's kind of like a city version of a restaurant where city, it seems like restaurants, a lot of them turn over really fast. Like even really successful ones, they kind of like better to burn out than to fade away. They do a three to five year run and then they're gone. Like maybe that's what that space is for. Hopefully not for the sake of sway. Right. Other Bailey's Harbor news, still don't know what's happening with Bearded Heart, but this kind of ties into the heirloom situation. One downfall is heirloom had breakfast options and Bailey's Harbor has now lost that again. And then Bearded Heart, who knows what the future is of that. And then Clover and Zot, you know, a couple weeks ago, we saw a for sale sign go up there. And I'm told, but haven't seen definitively, that that has sold as well. Awaiting to hear the what the plans for the future of that are. So it'll be another round of change here in Bailey's Harbor next year. Right. It's going to look uh, a lot different in a yeah. year's time. And you know what? We we lose heirloom, which is, is going to be missed. But like you said, there's a couple other buildings that are up on the market that could bring in a brand new restaurant or a whole yeah. new something for people to enjoy. So yep. we'll, we'll check back in. All right, let's round things off by talking about the Sister Bay Village Hall. What's going to happen up there, Miles? Are they going to raise it to the ground and build something new? Or have they backpedaled from that? concept a little bit. Well, they've definitely backpedaled from that. As the listeners know, and as you introduced it last summer, there was talk about, and actually the plan commission had made a recommendation to take down the old village hall. That's the the village hall on the Sister Bay waterfront. And that was done after kind of years of chipping away at the edges of this issue of what to do with that building. And then ultimately deciding like, it's going to need a lot of work. We do all that work and we still don't have a big venue. We still don't have all the uses. So let's take it down. Well, huge groundswell in opposition to that. They did multiple public hearings and everyone, probably like 90% of the people who spoke said, no, don't tear it down. Let's, let's really investigate a different use for it. You know, the village board is saying we've been investigating that, but okay, let's do that. Let's take a, let's once and for all form a committee. So they formed an ad hoc committee to investigate all the possible uses and make a recommendation for improvements or a fix or renovation and come back with the price tag, some estimates of what that will cost. So they've been working on that for a few months now. They have what the village board has charged them with is coming back with that recommendation by the end of 2024. So they have some time. In the meantime, the village has made some money available to do some short-term upgrades. And what they're looking at is uh, there's an elevator in the the building that can get you down to the downstairs level. And that has, from what I'm told, has barely ever worked for the last few years. So they need to decide if that's a repair thing or replace thing and how much that'll cost. There's some remediation stuff for asbestos in the basement and in the village hall. And then there's, it needs basically a whole new heating and cooling system. So they got some estimates for that. Heating and cooling looks like it'd be about forty to $50,000. And then you have, they're waiting on estimates for the asbestos removal aspects of it and trying to figure out the elevator. That's kind of like a basic level of, you know, if you start adding those up, I don't know what an elevator might cost, but you, you're easily at like 75000 minimum to do these 
real basic yeah. level things. Elevator seems like one of those things that always costs more than you think. Yeah. I don't think that they'd be like, oh, it's $5,000. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I would guess substantially more. And the weird thing is that that came out of this is they're like, well, what if we just remove that elevator and we just don't use the bathrooms downstairs? We use the ones upstairs. Yeah. Then you don't have to get rid of the asbestos either. Well, there's, yeah, maybe, but what they learned in talking about that is now that you've provided the access with that elevator, even if you don't want to use that space now, as long as that space exists, you can't take away the access. Oh, even if you warn people like, hey, the elevator it works, <laughs> but it's going to take you to the asbestos dungeon. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird quirk in the law. So they're like, okay. Like, and there have been discussions and ideas thrown out there and maybe even formal proposals. I haven't seen them but of filling in that basement anyway because they don't want to deal with the flooding and when the high water comes and stuff like that. So just fill it and then lower the floor of the main village hall to the sidewalk level. So that way you have all the ADA access at ground level so then you don't have to worry about a ramp or an elevator and you don't have to worry about a basement because the basement had mold and other issues anyway. So that's one thing that's been batted around. They've also talked about expanding bathrooms at that facility to meet the needs of some of the marina, the boat rentals and everything. That was such a big controversy a few months ago. And then there's a larger discussion beyond those basics to make the building functional is what do you do to make it more attractive? So it's one thing to make it functional, but a lot of people haven't been using it for years, hasn't gotten a lot of different uses. So can you expand it? If you expand it, do you raise the parking question again? So that's something they're grappling with. Or do you just make it blow out some windows off the backside and make it more attractive as a space? So they're trying to figure all that out. And that discussion is going to be going on for a long time to come, I think, judging from the meeting I attended. You know, you mentioned making it more attractive. And this is just a a thought as we were talking about updates on things that we had talked about before. I looked at the blueprints for what the Sturgeon Bay YMCA is doing with their with their additions and they are not putting in a racquetball court. So how many racquetball courts can you put in the sister Bay <laughs> village hall? Uh, you always come up with the best ideas. <laughs> I don't know if you played racquetball before, but it's really fun. And I was really hoping we'd get one at the Sturgeon Bay YMCA, but I don't think I ever have. It's, it's fun. It's basically tennis, but you play with yourself and the wall is your opponent. I mean, I've seen it mostly in movies about people in New York. Yeah. It's basically the only place that it exists in, in my sphere. No, it's fun because you get another person in there and then you smack the ball as hard as you possibly can and it just bounces off the walls and becomes a, a weapon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite We should it's have quite that good. in the office here. We should put a racquetball court in because I think that'd be a good way to get some aggression out yeah. for all of us. We used to have ping pong tables and I think that, that would help us too. And you know what? If you're creative, any room with four walls can be a racquetball room. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we do have a conference room. We could try to do it in this little podcast closet, but I think that would hurt both of us badly. I don't know if you could get a good swing off in here. <laughs> no. That's that's the problem. So what are the next steps for the village hall? I mean, where, where do they finally make their decision? Uh, they're meeting roughly every month or so. And I think they, they have till 2024 to make a recommendation. They could move faster than that. But I think... So the meeting this week was a couple of hours and I think they're still kind of coalescing under around like what, what's our direction? What's our charge here? What's, what's the, the place we want to go with this? And is it a, Hey, we want to rehab this at all costs or we want to rehab this up to a certain point, right? Like, you know, if you, if you do this things and you're like, here's a beautiful renovation that we could do with this structure. And we've seen tons of 
examples in Door County of people taking old buildings and refacing them, refurbishing them into beautiful new structures, but at what cost, right? Is that, right? you know, I think most people in Sister Bay would love to see that building stay there in some way, shape, or form, but they would love to see it there for $500,000, $1 million, $10 million. Like, what is yeah. that level that you're like... And, and what do you use it for? Yes. Is the other part of it, too. Because if it's just... If you're just admiring it from the outside... It becomes a $10 million statue. Yeah. And that's that's the challenging part. You know, I saw somebody on Facebook who was commenting about this and said, you know, we need to keep the building because people come to Door County for the history. And I don't, I don't know how much I believe that, <laughs> per se, but... How historical of a building is this? Like, when do you know when it was built off the top of your head? Yeah, it's about 75 years old, which... That's, it, not, a, that's not 100 years. Anything <laughs> anything not older than 100 years isn't history. I mean, it is. It's cool because it when you look up the history of it, I mean, I, I do think it's a, a cool building, a beautiful building. I like that. Like, look across the street here from our podcast studio, Bailey's Harvest Town Hall. It's on a prime piece of property. It's a beautiful stone building, about 100 years old, I believe. And generations of people from Bailey's Harbor have been in there. Like the the moments had in that building from Cub Scouts to senior dinners to all that things, like those matter. Those are part of the life of it to someone like me. I like that in Sister Bay too, that it's still there and it exists downtown. I don't think we need to relegate like our community centers and our community pride points to the cheapest land or the cheapest building we can build, right? So I like that aspect of it. But, you know, it's been it's been years since it was used on a consistent basis for like the primary gatherings of the village. It's too small. It was built for a much smaller community. Right. And that, that doesn't seem like it's in its future either. No. So they, they got to find that use to to give it that purpose and life going forward. Like it doesn't have to be a village hall anymore if it doesn't really fulfill that function. But yeah. a lot of people have talked about it maybe being a home for a visitor center. It can still function for a lot of smaller things, but like it's it's got a basketball hoop in it back from the era when like every town had these small basketball teams for their grade schools and they could play on these tiny little courts, <laughs> but it doesn't really function as that anymore. Yeah. I mean, last time we talked about it, I mentioned that it could be a place for smaller theater performances. And it I could. Th- yeah. But I think I've changed my mind too. I, I think you could probably fit four racquetball courts in there. So <laughs> we'll go with that one. Yeah. If you lower that floor, you'd have, not, you'd have a high enough ceiling for four racquetball courts. Miles, is there anything else that people need to know this week? I think we covered quite a bit of ground. we covered a lot. I think we're good. All right. Well, I then, mean, we got the Oscar stuff in, so that's most important. Yeah, we, we did spend a third of the podcast on the Oscars, <laughs> which, you know, by the time people hear this, will be like four days old at yeah. this point. But I'm glad we did it. You're welcome. All right. Take care, Miles. See you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.